Hey, take your Bible out and hold it high in the air, whether it's in book form or digital form, and say this after me. This is my Bible, God's holy word. I am what it says I am, and I will do what it says for me to do. I place myself under the authority of God's word. It says I am blessed, therefore I am blessed. It says I am an overcomer, therefore I overcome. Every obstacle, every challenge, and every hindrance, through the name above every name, Jesus Christ. I open my heart, I open my mind to receive God's word. I receive this word. And I confess this word in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now take that same Bible and turn with me to the book of Nehemiah. Today we start a brand new series on the heroes of the church. The word of God is filled with many heroes of the church. So the challenge is not finding heroes. The true challenge is narrowing it down to just a few. For you see, in God's word, we are connected with people who serve God's purposes, who left their mark on life, who were used of the Lord and had a profound impact upon their community and their society. And as you connect with these individuals, we learn lessons from them. As you read about their story and about their life, God speaks to you and challenges you to live to his purposes. In the pages of these stories, we gain spiritual insights as to how we too can overcome, how we too can face challenges successfully, and how we too can walk in obedience to the Lord. Each week, we will take a biblical character, and we will learn from their life. We'll learn from their obedience and their willingness to be used by God. And as the book that bears his name, you can tell today we're going to talk about Nehemiah. And the book tells the story of his leadership in Israel during an exciting but difficult time. It is a story that captures the profound themes of leadership. Write this word, faith. Not only do you learn about faith, the faith of Nehemiah and the faith of others, but you'll learn about perseverance. And how many know we need to be able to persevere through through some things today? But what is so fascinating about the book of Nehemiah is you see the power of faith. community. And to me, that's so important. Write that word community. I'm so thankful to be a part of a community of believers that are generous, that love God, and want to live in obedience to the Lord. I'm thankful for the local body of glad tidings. I'm thankful for churches in our community that's had the same heart and the same spirit. I'm thankful for a community such as West Orange County that we get to live in and live our faith out. And that's what the book of Nehemiah is all about. So turn with me to the first chapter. 
We'll read the first few verses and then slip down to verse 10. Verse 1, reading out of the New Living Translation, these are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hekeliah, in late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. And I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who have returned to the province of Judah. They're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Nehemiah said, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, I fasted, and I prayed to the God of heaven. Now go down to verse 10 as we catch a little bit of his prayer. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants, O Lord. Please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayer of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. Now, notice the description as the chapter closes. In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. The first thing we want to talk about today, and you'll notice in your notes, is this. Nehemiah was a builder. He was a builder for the kingdom of God. Yeah. Nehemiah's story is a powerful example of what it means to be a builder in God's kingdom. He was the cupbearer to the king. He had a position in the courts. He, he was a man of uh, influence. He had influence. And what is fascinating about Nehemiah is he realized he had a higher calling on his life. And he was willing to use his position, his, his sphere of influence to advance and to build the kingdom of God. Despite his comfortable position, he was moved with compassion and he asked the king for permission to rebuild the city walls. Wasn't enough for him just to pray about it. Wasn't enough just for him to watch on the outside and, and, and cheer people on. He had to do something. So let's talk about his leadership just for a few moments. Write this word, qualities of an effective builder. What are the qualities of an effective builder? Nehemiah exhibited several traits that made him an effective builder. He had a deep sense of sympathy and concern for his people. He had a genuine love for the Jewish nation. He had a genuine love for his country, for his people. They will know you by your love. 
It's important that you have a love for your community. It's important you have a love for those a part of the kingdom of God. It's important that we have a love for humanity, that we have a love one for the other. He also displayed leadership by mobilizing and leading the rebuilding effort. He was willing to get in the trenches with the other Israelites. He led the effort in rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Now, what is fascinating about his story is it only took about 52 or so days to complete the building of the wall. These Israelites, the first remnant who returned from Babylonian captivity, has spent weeks and months trying to rebuild, and some believe even a couple of years, and there was no progress. But here's Nehemiah, the appointed man, the appointed hour, the appointed time, had great effect. I want you to hear this. God has brought you to the kingdom for such a time as this. There's an appointed man. There's an appointed woman. There's an appointed time, an appointed season. And God's going to move by his spirit. God's going to move by his grace and with his anointing. And I believe that God is going to use you and your sphere of influence to do great things to advance his cause. Write this word, courage. He demonstrated courage in the face of opposition. My hope and my prayer is this, is that God will baptize us with the spirit of courage today. Courage to to love loudly. Courage to stand and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Courage to stand for family values. Courage to be builders in the kingdom of God. I pray that we'll be able to stare down lions. I pray that we'll be able to stare down the enemy and declare the truth of biblical heritage to our brothers and to our sisters and to those around us to declare the truth of the gospel of Christ. Nehemiah showed perseverance, dedication, and patience as the rebuilding process was not easy and faced many obstacles. How many know when you're doing something right, it isn't always easy? Sometimes there's going to be opposition. Now, if you look at this through a spiritual lens, anytime you set out to do something for God, the enemy of your soul is going to attack you. It's going to come against you. But you have to be willing to persevere. You have to be willing to keep showing up. You have to be willing to be patient to be ready for when God speaks, you begin to move. When God shows up, you begin to act and you begin to trust the Lord to do great and powerful things. See, one can apply this builder mentality to your daily life by being intentional in our actions. This could mean setting aside time each day for prayer and study of the word of God. This could mean simply serving on a serve team here at GT or serving as a volunteer in our community with some of the great organizations that are here in West Orange County. Another way that we can apply this builder mentality in our daily life is by showing love and kindness to those around us. These traits are still relevant for Christians today. 
In the context of the church and the kingdom of God, being a builder can mean contributing your time, your talents, and your resources to further God's work. It could also mean building others up through encouragement, mentorship, and discipleship. It's about creating an environment where others feel valued, feel loved, and empowered to grow in their faith. That's the story of Nehemiah. He was a builder. And when I look at the congregation today, I see the spirit of Nehemiah. I see individuals who are willing to be used in the kingdom of God. I see individuals who are saying, yes, Lord, I want to use my position. I want to use my sphere of influence. Yes, God, I will do what I can to build your kingdom. Think of Miss Lindy, retired about six years ago and not looking for the beach and not looking for resorts, but she went to our children's home in Jamaica and she serves there, lives on property. Church, she has the spirit of Nehemiah. Wendy, wave this way. And I believe there are some other spirits of Nehemiah in this place who will say, God, I want you to use me to advance your kingdom. I want you to use me to build up the things and the work of of God. Never underestimate what God can do through a yielded vessel. Secondly, let's talk about some of the famous sayings of Nehemiah. Some of the famous verses, quotes. Now, there are many sayings of Nehemiah. There are many verses that you could choose and build sermons on, but there are three specific that Speak to me. The first one is found in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, get you some joy. Many of you have heard this verse quoted but maybe you have never attributed it to Nehemiah. Maybe you attributed it to the New Testament times. But in actuality, this was said thousands of years ago. Nehemiah is teaching. Nehemiah is leading the people. And he makes this powerful proclamation. The joy of the Lord is your strength. In essence, what he says is this joy transcends hardships. This verse reminds us that our joy and strength come from God, not from our circumstances. The joy transcends any hardships we may face. I promise you, Nehemiah was facing some hardships. The Israelites were facing hardships. The enemy and the neighboring nations were not excited about them repairing the walls of Jerusalem. But Nehemiah found this truth that the joy of the Lord was his strength. And my hope today is that you will tap into the joy of the Lord, that you'll tap into this infinite resource and you'll realize that when you learn to tap into his joy, you'll find strength forevermore. You'll find the strength of God. So how can we tap into this joy? How can we have joy in spite of our circumstances? 
I think one of the ways is this. We have to learn to trust in the Lord. Trust in God's sovereignty. Trust in his sovereignty during challenging times. Knowing that he will provide strength. God is in control. God reigns supreme. Trust in his plan and his purpose. I know sometimes it feels like the world is governed by chaos, but hear me. God has a purpose. God has a plan, and he's going to bring it to fruition. Trust in the Lord. You may feel like you're being attacked from all corners. You may feel like you can barely survive. You may feel overwhelmed by what life has thrown your way. Let me encourage you. Trust the Lord. Trust in him, but it doesn't stop there. You have to cultivate gratitude. Write that word gratitude. Cultivate gratitude because the end result of gratitude is joy. Did you hear me? The end result. You follow gratitude all the way to the end. Guess what you're going to find? Joy. <laughs> gratitude, thankfulness. You can't find a thankful person that's not joyful. <laughs> you hear me? You can't find a thankful person, a person of gratitude who doesn't have the joy of the Lord. And guess what joy does? Joy produces the strength of the Lord in you. So you heard the old saying, there's a, po- uh, a bucket of gold at the end of the rainbow. Well, at the end of gratitude, guess what? There's a whole lot of joy. And where the joy of the Lord is, you find strength. Cultivate an attitude of gratitude, focusing on God's blessing rather than difficulties. Let me give you some verses in the New Testament. One is Colossians 3, verse 15. Colossians 3, verse 15 says, And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. So this verse connects gratitude with inner peace. Christians are called to allow the peace of Christ to rule in their hearts and to be grateful in all things. It implies that gratitude is a way to maintain inner tranquility even in the midst of chaos. That when you're thankful, you let the peace of God rule in your heart, and you've been thankful in every situation, guess what? There's going to be tranquility. There's going to be peace. Let me give you another verse. Write this down. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So this verse reminds us that gratitude is not just about being thankful when things are going well. We're called to give thanks in all circumstances, even when we're facing challenges and hardships. Now, this isn't always easy, I mind you. The truth of the matter is, it can be difficult. But when we choose to focus on the things we have to be grateful for, rather than our problems, we can experience the peace and joy that comes from knowing God's love and his provision. So in all things, in all circumstances, find gratitude. 
Find a reason to be thankful. Find a reason because the end of gratitude is joy. It leads to joy. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let me give you one more verse. Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. And I love how the New Living Translation puts it. Don't worry about anything. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, quit worrying. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Now look at them and say, start praying. Pray about everything. The antidote to worry. Notice what Paul says. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Now, you may be like the old farmer and say, he knows what I need. I ain't got to tell him. He already knows. You're right. God does know, but he's honored when you tell him your needs. He's, he's honored and magnified when you bring your needs to him. When my kids were small, when they brought their problems to me and said, Dad, can you help me? Church, it made me feel good. It made me realize that, hey, I have a, I, I, I'm, I'm thankful for their willingness to bring that problem to me, and we're going to fix it. We're going to work it out. And I I would always tell them, it's going to be okay. Can I tell you, take your problems to God. Quit worrying about situations. Pray about everything. He's honored when you bring your petitions to him. Yeah. Now, notice what Paul says. Paul says this, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Thank him for all he has done. Look at that. Put, can you put that verse back up there for me? Thank him for all he has done. Anybody here can say God's done some good things for you? God's already answered some prayers. God's already brought you through some stuff. <laughs> How many can testify the miracle working power of the Lord? How many can testify his grace is sufficient? How many can testify the joy of the Lord is your strength? How many can testify that if you commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, he'll direct your path? How many can testify that God is faithful? It's amazing what happens when we begin to become thankful for what he has already done. And that gratitude begins to lead us to the joy of the Lord. And there's a strengthening that happens because you realize if he answered prayer yesterday, he'll answer prayer today. And if he answers prayer today, he'll answer prayer tomorrow. Because listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It builds your faith. It encourages you. Wow. Be thankful. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Another verse. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 9. Nehemiah 4, verse 9. But we pray to our God... And guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. At first, you might be thinking, well, what? We prayed and we guarded. Write this, pray and act. Pray and act. Pray and then move. Let's look at the context of the verse. Go back to verse 6 of chapter 4. 
And at last, the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. Did you hear that? The people worked with enthusiasm, and suddenly what could not be accomplished was being accomplished. Matter of fact, the whole wall was being completed half to its height. But when Sambalat and Tobiah and the Arabs, Ammonites and Ashdites, heard that the work was going ahead and the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. Can I let you in on a little secret? Not everybody's going to be happy about your progress. Not everybody's going to be happy about you becoming healthy and moving forward. Not everybody's going to be healthy, be happy about your spiritual uh, success and about and about your spiritual growth. There's going to be some people that's going to be upset. Verse 8, they all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and to throw us into confusion. See how the enemy works? To throw us into confusion. He wants nothing more than to bring discord and confusion. But, verse 9, we prayed to God, we prayed to our God, and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. Nehemiah and his people prayed, but they also took practical steps to protect themselves. This emphasizes the the balance between trusting in God and taking action. Now, how can we apply some of this to our life? Pray earnestly. Pray about everything but also takes practical steps towards solving problems, find solutions. You say, I'm just not gifted in that area. Take a class. Enroll in Valencia. I mean, take a class at Southeastern GT. I mean, do some things that are practical that's going to that's gonna enable you and help you. Pray, yes, of course, but take some practical steps. Faith does not preclude action. Faith and action go together. Be vigilant and proactive in safeguarding your spiritual well-being by immersing yourself in God's word and maintaining a strong community of faith. Write this. Use wisdom and spiritual resources. Trust in God's protection while also using the wisdom and resources he has given you to protect yourself and your loved ones. You know people of influence. You are people of influence. Develop relationships. Develop relationships with people that you can be a blessing to, and they can be a blessing to you. When you're under spiritual attack, you're not without spiritual weapons. When you're overwhelmed by the circumstances of life, you are not left defenseless. God has equipped you with spiritual arsenal that is effective, strong, and powerful. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 through 5. And though we live in the world, we do not wage war like the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The old English says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. You have prayer. You have the word of God. 
You have the gifts that God has given you. Use your gifts well. Paul said to serve one another. Use the weapons of your warfare prayer. Grow in your faith. Become more like Christ. I think one of the greatest weapons today in our society is a follower of Jesus Christ that looks like Christ. Because if they look like Christ, they act like Christ. (laughs) They're walking in the anointing of God. Nehemiah was a builder. God has called you to be a builder. The last verse is this. Found in the sixth chapter, the third verse. I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? The surrounding nations were trying to disrupt the work and the progress. And listen to what Nehemiah is saying. I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. Write this word. Write the word distractions. This statement is made in response to his adversary's attempts to distract him from rebuilding Jerusalem walls. It encapsulates the resolute spirit and unwavering focus that characterizes Nehemiah's story. And church, it's imperative, it's important that we keep our eye on the goal. It's not time to stop. It's not time to take a rest. It's not time to sit on the sidelines. Nehemiah said there's work to do. I cannot stop this great work and come down to meet with you. He says, I got to stay focused. I got to keep doing the things God's called me to do. The enemy is going to do everything he can to throw distractions in your path. And sometimes he'll use the good to keep you from the best. Sometimes he'll, he'll present distractions that they look good and in and of themselves they're not bad, but it causes you to stop the progress that God's called you to do. It's, it's, it's calling you and causes you to stop building the kingdom and then you become a consumer instead of one who is producing, building Nehemiah is not a consumer. Nehemiah is a builder. The spirit of Nehemiah is not the spirit of consuming. It's the spirit of building. I'm afraid... I'm afraid that in our churches in America, we've uh, shifted from a Nehemiah spirit of building uh, to a spirit of consuming. Make me happy. Sing the song I want you to sing. Make me feel good. Come on, play it up so I can get an emotional high. We're looking for somebody to feed it. We're looking for somebody to bless us. We're looking for what we can get out of it instead of what we can bring to advance his kingdom to advance his call. But I believe here at Glad Tidings, there's a spirit of Nehemiah that says, let us arise and build. Let us advance the cause of the kingdom of God. For our best days are in front of us and not behind us. I believe the best is yet to come and I will not settle for less, but I'll keep building for the things of God, for the glory of the Lord. Put away distractions. Distractions come in many forms. Don't allow the enemy to distract you. Nehemiah said, 
I can't stop this great work and come down. Notice something. He realized what God had called him to was a great work. Glad tidings, I've come here to tell you what you're doing and what God's called you to is a great work. A great work. It has eternal consequences. A great work that unless they hear, they perish. And how can they hear unless somebody tells them? And how can somebody tell them unless somebody sends them? Somebody's willing to go. Nehemiah heard the report of the Lord. He heard the desolation of Jerusalem. He asked them, tell me about what is happening back in Jerusalem. Expecting to hear something good, but he heard a report that was discouraging. It affected him. He wept. He cried. Not just for a moment, but for days. It impacted him. And my hope and my prayer is this, is that God will so move upon our hearts and our lives that it will so impact us that the spirit of Nehemiah will come upon us and say, I cannot afford to sit back and do nothing. I have to be a builder. I have to be a part. I have to be engaged because my sons and daughters' future depend upon it. Because the church of tomorrow depends upon my faithfulness today. Because the next generation needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because they need to know that there's a God that loves them. See, I can't help but be involved. I can't help but have that builder spirit because I know that I know should the Lord tarry my life will have impact and I'm here to remind you should the Lord tarry you your actions have eternal consequences and as you and I decide not to be distracted but to be engaged as we decide to build the things of the kingdom of God souls will be impacted I love that video from Glad Tidings Academy in Haiti. And I can tell you how that started was totally unorthodox. But I'm thankful that God doesn't call us to do the orthodox always. He simply says, obey me. I'm telling you, as I watch those kids the happiness and joy on their face with the tragedy around them. But the hearing somebody loves them, somebody's praying for them, and they're getting an education. Some of them are learning how to do lay tile, how to do masonry work. Right there, at your school. How did that happen? Because the spirit of Nehemiah is upon you. The spirit of Nehemiah is upon this church. The spirit of Nehemiah is the spirit to take action, to make a difference, and to leave a legacy. Let us pray. Father, I love you. I thank you today. I thank you for your word. 
I thank you, Lord, for the life of Nehemiah that speaks to us. Speaks to us in our modern context. The individual that lived close to 3,000 years ago, his life speaks to us today. His leadership, the decisions he made. Now, Lord, I believe you're going to return soon. But should you tarry another 50, 60, 70, 100 years? Many and all in this room will go by the grave. And I pray that we will have lived in such a way that we would have left our mark, the impact, the spirit of Nehemiah, arise and build. Encourage and strengthen each one in Jesus' name. Jesus' name, amen. Can we stand together? I want to ask you, as a family of God, many that will, if you'll step out from where you are and you'll come down front, let's spend a moment in his presence.